Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is for ages 14 and up, because sometimes you just need to use a swear. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So, today, we're going to be watching a classical musical from the 50s. This one is one that I watched a lot when I was a child, and it was actually the first musical to have a live, full-length Broadway production on color TV. We're going to be watching Peter Pan. Yay? So... What all do you know with Peter Pan? Disney. If you've seen the Disney movie of Peter Pan, that is the extent of my knowledge. So a okay. a forever boy come and takes a bunch of children and a girl and no, not, not their dog, <laughs> but uh, sprinkles them with pixie dust. A bunch of children and a girl. A bunch of children and a Well, she's she's <laughs> She's older. She's like a preteen or a teen, like in the Disney thing. She's the oldest sibling. Yes. So, yeah. But girls are not children. Well, okay. Open Sorry. mouth, insert foot, wife points it out and laughs. Um, yes. So, is it, it's three little boys and one little girl, right? I think it's just two boys. And oh, okay. Maybe. It's been a long time. Peter Pan yeah. is not my favorite story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I don't have anything really against it. It was just never one that clicked with me mm-hmm. a whole lot. I mean, I enjoyed it. I'd say probably my favorite Peter Pan version that I've seen was Robin Williams' Hook. Yes. I really like that version. Um, but yeah, so Peter Pan takes the kids. They go to Neverland, and they go on a wacky adventure, and there's pirates and a crocodile and Indians. Native and Americans, but they call them... Well, they don't even call them... Don't they call them Injuns? At least, I think oh, in the Peter Pan, I think in the Disney one, they call them Injuns. Yeah, the Disney ones... All of them are pretty much problematic, except for the latest live or live play production, but we'll get into that. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's really all I know. Okay, so this is not based on the Disney movie. This is going to be based on the original 1904 J.M. Barry play. J.M. Barry's the guy who wrote it. J.M. Barry? Yes, J.M. Barry. Uh, and it was titled Peter Pan, and then the book based on the play, and it was called Peter and Wendy. So, sorry, um, I have to point out the fact that the guy's name is J.M. Barry. Yes. Jam Barry. Barry Jam. <laughs> That joke just writes itself. <laughs> Is it a... So I could say that it's a very good play? Was it very well received? <laughs> Were the actors' performance sweet? Um... Has it been preserved through the time? Is it seedless? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll stop now <laughs> because I'm sure there's people listening going, shut up, Warren. Just let Kay go. Oh my gosh. I wasn't expecting that. That was not the joke that I was expecting. I don't know if I was even expecting a joke there. You just know I'm a smartass and that I will <laughs> find something to make fun of. Whew. So, <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So, like I said, started out as a play, then a book, and now we're watching the musical. It was a play, then a book? Yes. Hmm. He wrote it as a play first, and then novelized the play. Interesting. That always seems so backwards to me. It's a little odd. It just just seems like that if you're writing out a story, it would be easier to do it in a book format and then adapt it to a play? It depends on what your strengths are, because, I mean... That's fair point, fair point. Some people are more playwrights than novelists, and um, it is kind of easier to write out your uh, story as a script sometimes, and then... Kind of work like, that way. Kind of like how you're really strong with screenplays. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's easier to start it as a screenplay and then you can flesh it out for a novelization. Okay. For for some people. And then for some, it's the other way around. But Sorry, I've derailed us. Please continue. <laughs> I know you've prepared this. No problem. Uh, so this is where I thought you were going to make a joke. So the music is written by Mark Moose Charlap. Nothing. Okay. I... And that, Jules... that, that blindsided me and my brain went, wait, what? So I have no joke for that because it was so surprising, I guess. Yeah, I actually like looked Charlap. at several. <laughs> that was not where I thought you were going to be going. What, moose? Yes. It's, just, it's an animal, moose. I mean, Charlap to me almost sounds like if, they're, if Pokemon had fusions and they combined Charizard and Lapras, you'd get Charlap. Which, that would be pretty badass. Like, if someone listening out there wants to draw some fan art, you can do Charlap. Oh, jeez. Fire, ice, water, flying? Oh, man. Okay, so I I actually did have to look up that guy's name, like, several times, because I did not believe that was really his name. My brain would not let me. I don't don't blame you. I mean, I wonder what nationality that is. Johto? Kanto? Uh, those are. I was going with the moose, but oh, moose! <laughs> Just because it was, it, it's written like in everything as Mark Moose Charlap, and I'm like, huh? So, because this is the '50s, and I wasn't expecting that on like the on the play materials for this, and that's just my brain was short circuiting there for a little bit, but um. Also, Joel Stein worked on this. I know that name is familiar. Please remind me what it's familiar from. The weather outside okay. is frightful. Oh, that guy. Let it snow. Damn you, Kay. Damn you. <laughs> I hope something from Peter Pan gets stuck in my head, because if not, it's going to be that freaking Christmas song. Um, and then... Uh, Lyrics were uh, by Carolyn Lay and Comden and Green. We saw Comden and Green with Singing in the Rain. Um, you had an expression that... Just, that's the name that I think is weird. Comden? What kind of name is Comden? It's the last name. That's... Oh, Comden and Green. Yes. Okay. 
yeah, Comden and Green, they are one of the longest running uh, lyricist pairings in Broadway. Well, in all of musical theater. Uh, and like I said, we last saw that pair with Singing in the Rain. And the, the show... Hmm? One of the great duos, like Batman and Robin. Yes, they are the Batman and Robin of musical theater. Or ham and cheese. Yes, ham and cheese, jam and bread. Jam and bread. Um, and it's currently licensed by Musical Theater International. So Were those the ones that you were... You were I was kind of complaining about them just because of some of the shows that I saw, like... Shows that have no business having a high school version. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Looking at you, Avenue Q. Um, (laughs) Hey, that rhymed! (laughs) So, like I had said before, the original play was produced in 1904 and 1905. This is the play, not the musical. 1904, 1905. Yes. That's how old Peter Pan is. Holy hell. Oh, just wait. (laughs) Because I've got a bombshell I'm going to drop on you at, right before intermission. Um, so this, uh, the original play started the role, or the tradition, sorry, of the role of Peter Pan being played by a woman. So, And that's because Peter Pan's supposed to be a young boy himself. Yeah. Right? Now, okay, this is something I've always been confused about. Is Peter Pan supposed to be a teenager or is he like a boy this is the weird thing so the original story that peter pan shows up in he's a week old forever wait what yes a week old yes a seven day old baby forever (laughs) i have nothing please continue my brain is is and Oh. They've kind of aged him up a little bit, but he's a little. never... Suppo- a little. Well, okay. They've aged him up a few hundred weeks. Um, <laughs> so he's he's never supposed to be a teen, because he is described as still having his baby teeth. So he's always a kid. Like, kid, kid. Started losing mine at six, so... Yeah, same. But So, yeah, Peter Pan is, like, supposed to be a little kid. I'm having a really hard time imagining him fighting Captain Hook now. Because I imagine Captain Hook would just Spartan kick this little kid and just yeah, yeah. just wreck him. I mean... It's it's weird, because they describe him as having his baby teeth, but then you see stuff with him as 12, and then you see things with him as, like, 14. Which I'm like, no. No, that's not a little boy. <laughs> that is not young. Well, if you knew me when I was 14. <laughs> I was just a little boy! But you weren't, like sitting there saying that you were going to crow like a rooster and stuff, which is total little kid stuff. No, because I was 14 in, like, the 2000s, so... Mm, Yeah, fair. I mean, you could have been a furry. I've been roaring like a dragon, if anything. Okay, okay. We're we're getting off track again. Um, Tangent, the podcast. Oh, actually, sorry. One more tangent. When I was 14, I was chasing my little sister around as a dinosaur. So that's what I was doing. I've been roaring like a Rex. I guess you could have been... I guess Peter Pan could have been 14, but, well, he also was taking Lost Boys Who Got Too Old out and banishing them. That was in scare quotes, by the way, for those listening. I know I know that you're going to drop some serious stuff on me with Peter Pan, so let's, uh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. I'll try, to, I'll try to stop derailing. It's just You're in my fine. nature. You're fine. So, um, this original production, or the original production of the musical starred Mary Martin, who we're going to be seeing today, and who was an early crush of mine. 
Um, and this tradition is carried on to the present day. In fact, there's only been one time on Broadway that Peter Pan in the musical has been played by a man. And he was played by, um, and the first name's escaping me, but the last name I remember because I couldn't not, uh, Noseworthy was his last name. <laughs> I have derailed us enough. <laughs> Please continue. And he, he only played Peter Pan once because he was an understudy, so. Uh, and the actress who played Peter Pan fell ill for one performance. Um, so the version we're seeing was directed by Jerome Robbins, who we talked about with West Side Story. Uh, and unlike other traditional performances of the original Peter Pan play, which this drew upon... This adds in the ending that takes place years after the events of the story. So I would assume Wendy is like growing. Yes, yes. And that wasn't in the original play. Um, and it wasn't even added into the story until 1911. And they had kind of an afterword with Wendy as an adult and Peter coming back and that whole bit. Uh, the play premiered at the Koran Theater in San Francisco in July of 1954, and it played for a limited run of eight weeks in L.A., then moved to Broadway for another limited run of 152 performances. All of these limited runs were planned to be limited, um, partly because the season on Broadway was so busy. This was the same season with Damn Yankees. Um, but also, it was meant to close in February to coincide with the broadcast on TV of the show in night or in uh, March 7th of 1955. And this was, you know, the first full color, full length Broadway production on TV. And it was so popular. It drew in 65 million viewers. Wow. The friends finale drew in 52.5 million. But in perspective, when this aired, there were, like, three channels. There were three channels, but not many color TVs, and, like, yeah, TV I, was I brand you, new. I imagine and... people were watching it in black and white, though, too. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we're and... we're going to be getting to that in a sec. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to try and not derail this too much once we get to it, but the version we're watching is not in color. And I'll get to it. So... Uh, like I said, we're watching the 1955 telecast with Mary Martin as Peter Pan and Cyril Richard as Captain Hook and oh. Mr. Darling. This is not going to translate well, is it? For what? Like watching now, like on our TV? Oh, it'll translate fine. Oh. They, okay. they remastered it. It's just, oh. I'll, I'll tell you why it's in black and white in a minute. Sorry. Um... Now, the characters of Captain Hook and Mr. Darling are traditionally played by the same actor, as we'll see in this version. Um, in fact, it wasn't until the 2014 televised performance that you would see a uh, large-scale production of this having Mr. Darling and Captain Hook being played by separate actors. And that's the version that has Christopher Walken, and we're not watching that version tonight. Um... The show has been revived a few times, notably in 1979 when Sandy Duncan played the title character, and again in the 90s, where the scene that we're going to be seeing was removed, thank God, <laughs> and changed to something less 
horrible. I assume it was incredibly racist. It is my least favorite scene in the whole show, and unfortunately, it has been stuck in my head the whole day. I, this, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wasn't there also a very recent production of Peter Pan that was on TV? Like, a few years ago? That's the one with Christopher Walken. Oh, the one that everyone hated? That it had very mixed reviews. Mm. The things that were good about that production are Christopher Walken. Because he's Christopher Walken. Because he's Christopher Walken. And the fact that they changed, like, they stuck with the changes that were made in the scene with Tiger Lily. Because the scene with Tiger Lily in the original show, as you're going to see, is one of the most uncomfortable things to sit through. And it's, it's angering. And then the version that they did in 2014... That was one of those breaths of fresh air in the show where they went, hey, let's change this and make it better. But it's, it is, even though this is an uncomfortable thing for history of musical theater, you know, we're, we're going to be watching stuff that's going to make us a little uncomfortable. I mean, we had to dip our toes in for a few things and now we're taking a plunge before we get into other shows. Okay. That are earlier shows. Earlier musicals are... They 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 just don't care. Because <laughs> it, it was before we had the idea that maybe we shouldn't try and offend as many people as possible. It was before people with melanin were people? Yeah, it's before people like me actually had some semblance of rights, so... <laughs> Yay. Yeah, it's... But... Again, we're going through history of musical theater, and you can't ignore that that was a thing that happened. You just gotta kind of go, that happened, and let's not ever do that crap again. So, like I was saying about the version we're watching, while it was produced in color, we're going to be seeing it in black and white. That is because it is the black and white kinescope that was all that survived of the original performance. Because this was done before videotape was invented. And so anything that was produced on TV before 1956, even if it was in color, there is not a surviving color copy. Gotcha. Yep. Um, But it is still good quality. It's good enough quality to watch. Um, This isn't a history of TV podcast, so I'm not going to be going into the whole kinescope process. Um, other than to say that this version's in black and white, even though it's in color, and it's because that's all that's left. Um, I actually grew up with a 1960 telecast, which is in color, but it wasn't as readily available as this version that's the original. Um, it's pretty much the same show. The only real difference is, is that it's 10 minutes longer. Uh, the kids are different because the kids grew up. <laughs> Like, they're different <laughs> actors, but the rest of the cast is the same. Gotcha. Um, and it was split into five acts instead of three. Interesting. Um, so, and this is a three-act show, not a two-act. So it's a little different. I thought you said it was a five-act show. So the 1960 version was split into five acts. The version we're watching is three. Okay. Um, and it was, the 60s version was split into five acts for more commercial breaks. Money, money, money! Mm-hmm. 
Um, but normally it's three. Uh, it's also notable for its use of a fly system invented by Peter Foy, who did the same fly system for The Flying Nun, Hare, Willy Wonka, and, and, and... Spider-Man! Like, no. Oh. Because this fly system works. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Um, and also Tinkerbell's appearance being only a flickering light and the chiming of bells is in this. Which, get it? Tinkerbell. That was also a holdover from the original play. Like, the 1904 play. They would shine a powerful lamp into a mirror and then reflect the mirror onto the stage to be Tinkerbell. Oh, gotcha. So they just have this light moving on, like, a curtain in the back and yep. that's Tinkerbell? Because Tinkerbell, her only lines are just tinkling of bells. And only Peter Pan can understand and her. And only Peter Pan can understand her. No, Tink, you can't drown Wendy. Pretty much. <laughs> Um, we may actually end up covering more Peter Pan musicals on our journey because there's a lot of them. To okay. give you an idea, Wikipedia listed, I believe, 24 different Peter Pan plays, including the original. Is that the most that you've seen of a single type of show? Yes. Okay. And and I'm not saying, like, the same show over and over. Yeah. 24 like- different productions different different cast different script different different everything (laughs) um and then 12 musicals one of the musicals is a leonard bernstein musical prefer produced in 1950 why is leonard bernstein west side story okay the the one that we did last week the west side story sorry snapping yeah um and uh if head-to-heads become a thing with us, then... Tinkerbell may be a, well, a contender? Like, if, if we decide to do head-to-heads, we're going to be doing one for our upcoming Weber Week, by the way. Um, that's Jesus Christ Superstar versus Godspell, so start voting on your phones now <laughs> using Twitter. Um, but this one would probably be like the Pan Bowl, or Pan Madness, have a Peter Pan bracket. <sighs> I forgot, because Peter Pan... Oh, oh, ha Wait. Okay. Is he Peter Pan because he plays a pan flute? So, he was named Peter after, I want to say it was a relative of Barry's who died young, and then Pan because of the god of mischief. And nature and stuff. So that's why... The whole pan flute thing isn't in every version of Peter Pan, but... My entire sense of reality has been thrown into question. It's okay. I mean, well, now I'm sitting here going, I don't remember him playing a pan flute in every version that I've seen of Peter Pan stuff, because I've seen too many. (laughs) The only one I've ever seen is the Disney one, Mm -hmm. and he has the pan flute in that. Yeah. Which, the Disney one is very different from the source material. Well, I'm sure it's very, <laughs> very watered down. Ooh, ooh. Our head-to-head for Peter Pan, or a bracket, could be the Peter Pantacular. <laughs> <laughs> have, like, a little bracket that people have to follow throughout the... So it's like March Madness with Peter Pan? Yes. After these two shows head-to-head, and then these two shows head-to-head, mm-hmm. and then the winner of these shows will go up against each other. They go into a cage fight. <laughs> Baby fights. Two Peter Pan productions enter. One Peter Pan production leaves. Seven week old versus 14 year old. (laughs) Or not seven week. 
seven-day-old versus 14-year-old. That still baffles me. Oh, how... the original stuff for Peter Pan is how, weird. How do you do a show with a flying well, magical the, they... infant who fights pirates? <laughs> they don't have... They describe him as seven... So the, the original source material for Peter Pan is a J.M. Barry book that... Uh, Jam Barry? A Jam Barry book. God. A Jam Barry book that... Uh, has a whole section that turned into its own book about Peter Pan, who is a seven-day-old baby that escaped from his crib. and As they're known to do, because (laughs) seven-day-year-old babies are so mobile. Anyone who's ever taken care of an infant knows that all they do is lay there, cry, and shit themselves. Does that is because he knows he's part bird, and so he what? <laughs> part bird. <laughs> okay, okay. We've got to watch the play now, just so that Jamberry was high. He was high. I mean, he was entertaining. Two. He was entertaining the two sons of the woman he fell in love with was dying of cancer so you know so whatever drugs that she was taking because she was dying of cancer he was also taking oh my god and he was tripping balls while trying to entertain these children maybe we do need to watch finding neverland i was gonna wait to do it but maybe we should otherwise johnny Depp. yeah but there's other versions all we I don't know have of, to watch the man who makes my skin crawl all i know of is the meme that i've used for that with the little boy talking to johnny depp and then like johnny depp holds him because <laughs> We've used that meme at work. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's J.M. Barry and his weird seven-day-old baby that turns into a... Yeah. Man. Because he wrote this back in the day when drugs were just everywhere and they were in every patent medicine and they weren't <laughs> regulated. So he's like, oh, I took this tonic that I got from the street vendor and... Oh, I have this idea for a baby who's part bird and escapes his crib because babies do that. Okay. <laughs> well, and then he goes back to his mom's house a little bit later and she's already had another baby. And so he's like, oh, well, she replaced me. And so he goes back to Neverland. See, okay. Because I remember, at least in, in the hooked version that I remember with uh, mm-hmm. Robin Williams, like he was a baby and mm-hmm. Tinkerbell found him and like he flew away with Tinkerbell. And then he came back yeah, later as a little boy. It's sort of like... The, Hook is better at telling the Peter Pan story than the Disney movie is. Because Hook actually draws on the other material, which there is a lot of material. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a buck-wild, crazy story about... yeah. I apologize to our listeners. This story is so insane, my brain is just spinning off onto random bouts of, of, of criticism. I will, I'm going we're, to... We're okay. mostly getting off topic um, with the musical, too. I'm going zen. I will, I will be calm, and I will let Kay finish what she has prepared so that we can go watch this batshit insane musical so the musical isn't as crazy i was just giving you the background of the character because the musical does draw on more of the background than the 
Disney. Does it have a seven-day-year-old flying no, infant? No, and there's no seven-day flying infants in any of the adaptations. You don't have to worry about flying babies. That sounds like some type of weird punk metal band. Seven-day flying infant? I don't know. Seven-day-old flying baby. Weak baby. Spelled W-E-E-K, not W-E-A-K. Hi! Mm-hmm. Pun! Weak old baby. <laughs> But, uh... Weak old baby. Ew, throw it out. So, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, a week old. Like, it's gotta have gone bad by now. That's not how babies work. They're still cu- cutish after... <laughs> I'm, I'm not into human infants as much. Because I'm broken as a person, but... Dogs are better. Dogs are cuter to me. That's just me. Maybe if I saw a really cute baby. You and I were babies once. Yeah, and I don't like my own baby pictures. So. We grew out of it. <laughs> um, but uh, with with everything that's said, we're going to take a brief intermission and go watch Peter Pan. I'm sure it'll give you something to crow about. Ah, 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 ah. You've got it. Alright, Warren. It's time for the best part of every intermission. Getting snacks that we can't bring back into the theater? Even better. Now that the lights are back up, we can look into the playbill. This week we have some exciting news with our Patreon sponsors. Our alpha sponsor, Jasmine Wu, is now joined by Bianucci. We have two sponsors, Kay. Sweet. This is super exciting. I can't believe that we have two sponsors already on our show. And thank you guys so much for contributing to our show. We greatly, greatly, truly, truly appreciate it. And we can't thank you enough. Thank you truly from the bottom of our hearts. Seriously, guys, thank you so much. And here's a message from one of our favorite podcasts called History on Blast. Hello, and welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show. So, what you think? I took more notes with this show <laughs> than any show we've done. Yeah. I have two pages of notes. I was... Two pages of single-spaced, 12-point uh, font notes. Holy crap. Um, I apologize in advance for anybody who truly, deeply loves this show, because I'm going to make fun of it a lot. Uh, yeah. Because it's... F- 
freaking weird. It is. I and I made the comment to you when I was typing that I didn't realize how much I don't like Peter Pan <laughs> until we were watching this. Because until we watched this, my my only knowledge of Peter Pan was the Disney animated cartoon mm-hmm. and Hook. And while there is stuff that is good in Peter Pan, there is a lot of yeah WTF stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm going to... Everything I'm about to say, I'm going to preface, uh, pre- the, preface right away by saying that acting and everything was fine. Everything was good. The actual work on part of everybody... Was mm-hmm. well done. I am not. Yeah. I am not criticizing anybody who was in the show. I am criticizing the core concept <laughs> of this batshit crazy whirlwind of nonsense. And um, there were a couple of times when we were talking, and I would be correcting you with Native American. Yeah. Because I kept saying Indian, because that's what they refer them refer to them as mm-hmm. in... So we're going to apologize in advance if there's a slip-up. It's just... Well, I mean, KK knows, like, if we're talking about Native Americans in the real world, in if they're in the new... Like, whatever. I'll say Native Americans. I'll say Natives. Mm-hmm. But I kept saying Indian, because that's what they're called in this. Mm-hmm. And so my brain was just like, well, it's... I mean, to be it fair... Kept... It, to be fair, if they if they called them savages in this, I would have referred to them as savages. If mm-hmm. they called them redskins, I would have referred to them mm-hmm. as redskins just because that's what they refer to them as. And so that's in the what show. in the show, that's what I address them as. As I long would, as you don't do that with ragtime I, I, when <laughs> Oh god. Well yeah, that's, um, that's fair point. Fair point. That is my job as <laughs> as the POC wife. <laughs> so, let us start this review that I'm sure some of you are going to hate me for, which is fine. You're allowed to, and I'm allowed to have my own opinion on it. Uh, it opens with a narrator saying, people don't change when they grow up. And I was, <laughs> my, of course, my first thought was, yeah, people don't change. If you're an ass when you're young and you're a kid, you'll be an ass forever. Jesus. Nobody changes as they get older. People stay the same. Uh, and, of course, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows Peter Pan. It starts off with all the children playing in the nursery, just having a great time being kids. and. Mm-hmm. The mom thinking, oh, these kids are cute. And the dad being like, why are these kids being kids? Yeah. And uh, Nana, the dog, is walking around in the room and call me crazy. But I think that dog is really three little people in a costume. <laughs> I could be wrong. It could be a real dog. It's it's a person in a costume, like just a single person. It's not three little people? No, it's just one person. Then, I mean... With other animals later in the show, those are also a single person. I don't know about that. Uh, (laughs) And then the dad gets upset because the dog gets hair on his pants. It's like, oh, hair on your pants? Oh, no! It's almost like you have a dog in your house. Shut the hell up, George. I didn't write that in here. I have it much more vulgar, but I'm going to try and censor myself. (laughs) Uh, And then... The wife proceeds to 
talk to her husband about how she's been concerned because she's seen a boy hanging outside the window mm-hmm. the last couple nights. And the father's like, oh, that's, we're two stories up. That's yeah. crazy. It's like, well, mom's been into the funny juice, seeing a flying boy. What kind of crazy lady catches shadows? Because she <laughs> catches his shadow and sticks it in a drawer and then proceeds to take out the shadow and show it to her husband as proof that she saw a boy flying outside their window. That's not the strangest thing that happens in this show. <laughs> that should have been your side. Uh, uh, just, just wall-to-wall nonsense and bizarreness. Uh, and then he gets mad about a dog named Nana being in the nursery. It's like having a dog named Baker and being mad that it's in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Which, shut the hell up, George. Uh, and the kids, you know, the parents leave going to whatever social event they're going to, whatever thing. And the kids all go to bed. And that's when Tinkerbell makes her, her, uh, peeking creepy appearance just peeking in through the window shade and i'm like tinkerbell's thing that's that's kind of creepy tinkerbell spying on sleeping children just (laughs) and uh she comes in and and peter pan is you know quickly behind her and she locates his shadow and he goes and gets his shadow pulls it out of the drawer and he's like yay i have my shadow that that crazy bitch took from me (laughs) I'm going to reattach my shadow with soap. (laughs) Because soap is known for its adhesive properties. Right? Everyone listening? If something breaks in your house and you're like, I'm going to soap it back together. That's always our first thought. (laughs) But silly, silly Peter Pan, you don't need soap to attach your shadow. Obviously, it needs to be sewn with thread and needle. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Uh... I, uh, okay, okay. He breaks physics a lot, which we'll get to. Physics don't <laughs> exist in this show. Physics do not exist. <laughs> this this entire show is an LSD dream sequence because nothing makes sense. Everything is made up. Eat Arby's. Um, there's a plug for Arby's. I guess nihilist Arby's. Um, and. Wendy, after she wakes up and attaches Peter's shadow via needle and thread, uh, makes the comment that he's conceited. He's like, I'm not conceited. I'm just remarkable. Mm-hmm. Which I just, I love that level of uh, of obliviousness. But, uh, and then Pete, after he gets, I mean, I call him Pete a lot in my notes. After Pete gets his shadow back, he proceeds to do a bunch of uh, shadow puppets with it. It's like, no wonder your shadow didn't want to come back to you, Pete. You're remarkably weird. And then, Peter, you're so clever. Don't encourage him, Wendy. For the love of God, don't encourage him. Did you notice, though, when she was sewing the shadow back on, he was whistling out of pain? Like a bird? No. Chirping? No, I didn't. Like a bird? No, I didn't. Because he's half bird. And he crows like a cock. (laughs) What? That's go on. No, that's that's perfectly legitimate and accurate and not vulgar at all. Stop laughing. Uh, when she asks Peter, Pete, where he came from, and he's like, "I ran away the day I was born." You can't run away the day you're born. That's physically impossible. You were kidnapped and you've been lied to. This is Stockholm syndrome, the flying little boy musical. 
infants <coughs> cannot run away. It is physically impossible. Not for Peter. Seven-day-old bird infant. He was lied to. He was kidnapped by Tinkerbell, and she's brainwashed him over all these years. That's what happened. (laughs) And uh, Wendy asks him, how do you get to your home? And he says, you follow all the golden arrows. It's like, okay, all the golden arrows. How many are we talking about? How many is all? Is it a shower's worth of golden arrows? Damn it. (laughs) I think this musical needs an adult. Peter Pan's home is Never Never Land, which is not not land, which is not land. Is it land or is it not? It's Never Never Land. It's not not land. It's not an island. It's nothing. It's made up. (sighs) And I can't remember why Wendy says, how perfectly awful, but she says that to him. Yeah. I love that phrase, how perfectly awful. At least it's perfectly awful. It would suck if it was something imperfectly awful. That would be perfectly <laughs> terrible. I mean, if it's something going to be awful, it might as well be perfectly awful. Uh, I wouldn't say... <laughs> and then Pete proceeds to show off that he's flying. I wouldn't say that you're flying, Pete, more like you're swinging. But I would say you're swinging with style, which I'm sure Buzz Lightyear would approve of. And then he proceeds to shower the children in quote-unquote fairy dust. Uh, isn't that the street name for PCP? Like, Pete, Peter is a filthy drug dealer hooking kids while they're young. Hey, kid, want to go to Neverland? Take this fairy dust and you can fly. So I have to tell you, <laughs> there's a reason fairy dust is in there. It didn't used to be in the original Peter Pan plays until... There were reports of children thinking they could fly if they thought wonderful thoughts and got injured. And so J.M. Barry wrote into a revision, okay, there's fairy dust. You have to have fairy dust, too. No, bad, bad job, Jam. Bad job, Jam. This is Darwinism in action. The children who think they can fly from happy thoughts don't grow up to have children of their own, and the species is stronger so as a whole. So I, I, I was about to say, well, didn't you ever do that? And then I went, I never did that. I, As much as I wanted to be a bird, I knew that if I jumped off the roof, I would still die. You know the dumbest thing I ever did as a child, trying hmm. to imitate something that I saw in some work of fiction? Hmm was I tried to paint my skin green because I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. That's the dumbest thing I ever did. I was smart enough to know that I can't jump off the roof and flap my arms and fly away. And I guess the weirdest thing I would do was just eat the big carrots like Bugs Bunny. I I ate a shit ton of big-ass carrots because I wanted to be Bugs Bunny, and I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Doc? Same. Always. I do have a Bugs Bunny joke in here somewhere. (laughs) We'll get to that when I get... Okay, uh, so Pete is a filthy drug dealer peddling PCP to children. We've covered that. Uh, the nanny, Liza, gets caught gets uh, caught some fairy dust, and she's so high, she doesn't even realize how fired she is once the parents get home, and she tries to tell them that the kids flew out the window with a strange boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And... Yeah, so... They go to Neverland after flying out the window high on fairy dust, and they wind up in Neverland, and before the kids land, we see 
the Lost Boys doing a bit of a song and dance number, and then they run and hide because the pirates show up. Yes. And the pirates start singing about how they love to murder children. And it's like, wow, Hook, I... It's like, wow, Hook, I've never seen an adult that excited to find a den of young boys since memory repressed. You sick, sick man. Jesus Christ, Warren. (laughs) We've all had our dark days, Kate. Jesus. Call me crazy, but I think that crocodile is really three (laughs) little people in a costume. Must be the same actors that were Nana. Oh my gosh. Uh, And then the... Indians doing a traditional Indian dance. Ugga wugga, what the funking wazzles is this? Yeah, that... that like, anything involving the Indians, I really don't like. And not mm-hmm. not for the very obvious reason that every Indian was as white as I am, mm-hmm. or whiter, and every Indian was <clears throat> making up nonsense words. Mm-hmm. Uh... I, f- I feel like it was just really lazy on part of the creators. Mm-hmm. They could have put in an ounce of effort to try and do something more genuine regarding Native Americans. I mean, I know it was, what, 1905 when it was first... When the first play and then the, the first s- play was made. But and like, the musical was the 50s, which, you know, there's... There was plenty of information by the yeah. time that this was put yeah. out as a musical. I just, 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 just no. It was, it was lazy. Like, it, it, it wasn't funny. It wasn't it, cute. It wasn't endearing. It was... It was horrible. It was just lazy and dumb. And it, it was it's, lazy and it's dumb. It's like... The pirates, <clears throat> in all of their cartoony campiness, were more genuine mm-hmm. than the Native Americans. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like in, uh... I think we mentioned this with Singing in the Rain, but the history of musicals is often a history of racism. <laughs> it's it's a history of racism in the arts. It and really is. It's going to get really... I don't know how I'm going to sell the Mikado to you, but that's going to be one that we get to. And if you thought this was bad, <laughs> that's way worse. So Bad Boy was the first show we reviewed that I dropped an F-bomb. Mm-hmm. I know that anything with really, really racial material, we're gonna do a disclaimer in the beginning and say oh, yeah. that Warren loses his shit in this. Yeah, there's, that's gonna be a guarantee. But back to <laughs> my super well-detailed notes. Uh, we've covered that the Indians, Native Americans, are horribly, laughably, absurdly portrayed. And then... There's this weird bit where the natives try to grab one of the Lost Boys, and the other Lost Boys grab him, and they're pulling, and they're doing a game of -of tug-of-war, basically. And it's like a wishbone. Whoever gets the biggest piece of the Lost Boy, their wish comes true, is what I kind of figure. Because if you grab a small child between two big groups and you pull, that little boy's going to come apart. He's going to become two smaller (laughs) half-boys. I don't know exactly what they were hoping to accomplish there. No. (laughs) And then, of course, uh, that's when Pete and the gang arrive back in Neverland, and the Lost Boys, being completely uneducated and unable to use uh, basic logic and deductive reasoning, think that a small human female, who is obviously a human, 
they may, even if they haven't seen what a female looks like, they've seen Tiger Lily, so they're implying that. I yeah, the, there's there's it's there, problematic there, in every there's way. There's just no logic in why they would think that Wendy is a human-looking, featherless, wingless bird and want to pump an arrow in her breast. So, Tinkerbell traditionally is the one who comes ahead and says, "Hey, okay. this is a Wendy bird. You should shoot it." I down. guess that's true. I do remember that from the Disney cartoon. Yeah. Um, Tinkerbell, and that's one thing that the Disney cartoon did that this Tink- doesn't. Tinkerbell's a jealous, thirsty tot who mm-hmm. wants Wendy dead. But still, it's a Wendy bird. It's like, has no wings, has no feathers, doesn't look like a bird, it's wearing a dress, looks like a people. Let's shoot it. Like, <laughs> the boys have no deductive... like a people. The boys have no deductive reasoning. And of course, Wendy gets an arrow in her chest... And they're like, oh, she's not dead for some reason. Mm. She's just asleep. Let's build a house around her. I mean, you shot her, so it's closer to a tomb. Let's make it nice. <laughs> Which... <laughs> yeah, it's not a house, it's a tomb. And then... <laughs> I have lots of yelling in this next... <laughs> I have lots of yelling in this next note. You might want to turn around from the mic to yell. Uh, I'm not going to... Physics have no meaning in this world! You drew a door on a house, and they opened it from the wrong side! Open... (laughs) Opposite the knob! Madness! (laughs) So, after they build the tomb around Wendy, and Peter draws a picture on the outside of the house that looks like a door, and then they open it from the opposite side that he drew the knob, implying that the hinges are not where they should be. (sighs) Dedicated listeners, I love you, and I appreciate you dealing with my madness and my ramblings and my uncultured swineness regarding musicals um this shit is stupid it just is i'm sorry and i know that for some of you this is a very wonderful and dear thing to you and i apologize that i'm tearing it to pieces but it's not good okay the all the all the performers do a good job, mm-hmm. but the people who created the source material were out of their goddamn mind. <laughs> and just, I, 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 okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Wendy rises from the, her tomb like Jesus. No, no blood, no nothing other than complete forgiveness for the little shits that shot her. <laughs> so... So, I guess bravo on you, Wendy, turning the other breast to have another arrow pumped in you. (laughs) Kay and I are still getting over a mild chest cold, so if I make her laugh too hard, she coughs. Oh, God. And then after they do the whole thing of like, she's going to be our mother again, they have a cake. And she's like, you can't eat this. It's- a poisoned cake. Oh, it was a poisoned cake? That was the one that Hook did the whole soliloquy, or not soliloquy, the whole uh, 
villain song about. Oh, uh, okay. <clears throat> I guess I missed that when I was jotting down notes. So Hook apparently poisoned a cake, as pirates are known to do. Oh, yes. Uh, but Wendy stops them from eating cake because she says it's too rich. And then I have the note in here, Mom won't let us eat cake. Let's shoot her again. <laughs> uh, and then what was interesting is this always made me laugh, though, is after all the kids go inside the clown car that is their mother's tomb because they all fit inside of it. Uh, the pirates come out and they do a bit of a song and dance number. Who would have thought that a band of murderous pirates would be such accomplished musicians? Well, I mean, Peter only allows a certain amount of Lost Boys, and as soon as they grow up, then they're, you know, banished, quote-unquote. And so maybe these Lost Boys end up becoming the pirates, and Peter obviously teaches them to sing and dance, so... Galaxy brain. <laughs> Mind exploded. That is that just is me the... doing conjecture after two glasses of wine. You know what, though? That uses more logic than anything else in this goddamn show. Uh, see, that right there is some deductive reasoning. <laughs> Not represented anywhere else in this show. Uh, Liza shows up. In Neverland, because she's tripping balls on fairy dust. Oh, wait, no. I'm sorry, I have that line wrong. Liza shows up in Never Neverland, tripping ovaries on fairy dust. And starts dancing with trees. Oh, yeah. And dances with a kangaroo and a lion, as maids in London are accustomed to doing. I almost spit my drink out. I noticed that. I'm glad you didn't, because... That would have been an expensive whoopsie. But, uh... And then the natives show up again um, to kill an ostrich. Thank God. Wugga wugga ostrich. Yes, please kill the damn ostrich. It doesn't coo, it screams. Latte wasn't even in the room for this one. I don't blame her. I wish I wasn't in the room either. <laughs> but... But this is this is our podcast, and it's together time, and we do it together. <laughs> do it together. And we and, suffered together. Uh, 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 okay. Uh, and then the pirates. I don't remember how the pirates captured Tiger Lily. They just they did. Just, okay. Okay. Good. I'm glad yeah, I didn't miss something. They just no, did. You didn't miss Suddenly anything. the pirates just have Tiger Lily, and they're getting ready to lash her to a tree. And then Pete engages in some Looney Tune scenes with the pirates, and uh quote-unquote, redskin, the lightest freaking redskin I've ever seen, more like a pink skin, and <laughs> imitates Hook and convinces the pirates to free Tiger Lily, then pretends to be a spirit of the forest to troll Hook, and then <laughs> does a classic Bugs Bunny move by being a quote-unquote woman and leading the enemy on a wild chase. Freaking bananas. This was a straight-up Looney Tunes scene. Yeah. Like, all that it was missing was him, like, blowing a kiss or kissing Hook right on the mouth, and then, like, Hook getting big old heart eyes, and then, like, <laughs> that's the only thing that was missing from this whole scene. Or a wabbit season, duck season moment. And then, I'm gonna turn my head, because I'm gonna yell this. Why do the Indians have scooters? <laughs> the Indians show up... <laughs> After Tiger Lily is free, like they chase off the 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 pirates, 
after they realize, oh, this is Peter Pan, not a woman, even though it's a woman playing Peter Pan. And they're riding scooters! Why are the Indians riding scooters, Kay? Why? Why are the Indians riding scooters? Big shrug, W. Big shrug. Yeah, yeah that... <laughs> That's not even the weirdest thing in the show! Oh, even my computer doesn't want to go any further. It's like, nope, no more notes for you, Lauren. Okay, okay, okay. And so Tiger Lily and Peter Pan have kind of a bromance. They are like, okay, everything is cool between us. We're friends now. And Pete takes the tribe back to the Lost Boys and is like, hey, let's make two tribes into one by smoking some fairy dust on the peace pipe. <laughs> and then they have their whole ugga wugga ugga why is this song a thing? Right? This why? has been stuck in my head for a week. No, because it's so nonsensical you shouldn't be able to remember enough of the insane lyrics to get it stuck in your head. It's it's the tune and then the stupid ugga wug moment that I'm just like stop, stop, stop. Ugga wugga why is this a thing? Racism. Stupidity. And stupidity. Stupidity. Not even racism. I would imagine if you parked a bunch of natives down and had them watch that scene, they would be like, this is someone who saw a single picture of a Native American and went, ugga wugga. That's what they sound like. Like, they just... It's a it's, it's different way uh, of racism. It comes in all sorts of flavors. Uh, and it's all stupid. It is all stupid. And then Pete talks about... That if they're in trouble, oh, I'll just send for Tiger Lily. And if Tiger Lily's in trouble, I'll just send for Pete. Here's a question, Pete. How do you send for Tiger Lily if you've been taken captain? It's ta ca taken captive. It's cool, you're friends now, but there's kind of a massive hole in your BFF plan. Mm -hmm. Unless you have a psychic link that we don't all know about, you're going to have to have a intermediary to deliver the distress message mm -hmm. to the other party in order for them it to sure intercede. as hell won't be Tinkerbell. Sure as hell won't be Tinkerbell. She is a salty ball of... Angry light. Angry light. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and then the kids are all getting ready for bed and Wendy is like, you're their dad. Let's sit down and playhouse basically mm -hmm. and pete sits down and smokes a pipe and reads a newspaper and he freaks out a little bit pete is freaking out about pretending to be a dad almost like he's pretending to be an adult uh <laughs> stay young pete be a child forever you crazy reckless child napping drug dealing conceited hooligan <laughs> uh, and then <clears throat> all the normal children get homesick Mm -hmm. And they want to leave. Yes. And Pete and the boys part ways, because the boys want to go with Wendy and the others. Mm -hmm. And so Pete and the boys part way awkwardly. He kind of shakes hands with some, doesn't with others. The, uh, the goodbyes are very awkward. And as the kids are leaving, the pirates nab them. Mm -hmm. And Pete has no idea. He just goes over and... Oh, well, before they leave, Wendy pours him a glass of quote-unquote medicine... Mm -hmm. We don't know what it is. It looks like watered-down milk. Yeah. We don't know what kind of medicine this is. Where did this medicine come from? Who is the medicine vendor it's in Never Dr. Neverland? It's Dr. Farney's teething syrup. Maybe it is. It's full of morphine. It helps Pete <clears throat> sleep at night. Who knows? Uh, and 
Hook sneaks down there and poisons Pete's patent medicine after kidnapping all of the escapees. Uh, Tink tries to warn him that it's poisoned, and he's like, who would have possibly done that? I guess it was too much for Tink to say, Hook snuck down here while you were sobbing like a little bitch and poisoned your medicine. <laughs> she decided that, oh, uh, suicide apparently is a better course of action. I'll just mm-hmm. drink the poison liquid myself. Uh, and then it's like, damn it, Tink, you drank my drugs. Now I'm going to go through withdrawals. <laughs> Pete needs his fairy dust, man. Come on. Come on. Just give me a hit. I'll do anything. I'll suck your... Pete doesn't even need fairy dust to fly. He does he's half bird. <laughs> I'm not kidding, though. He doesn't need it to fly. I'm trying so hard to forget... That Peter Pan is a <laughs> seven-day-year-old infant who's half-bird. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard. And then you, you just remind me again. <laughs> and I want to curse and scream even more than I already have. But I'm trying. I'm trying, Kay. I'm trying to censor myself for our listeners. Just, just saying, this show is whack. <laughs> The show, show is whack as hell. The show is beyond whack. And it's one of those things that I knew that it was weird when I was a kid watching the Disney version. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm an adult seeing it again, I realize just how bananas the whole mm-hmm. thing is. Uh... And then after Pete, after Tinkerbell uh, drinks the poison and goes into a jar and is like dying... Pete comes over and looks at the camera and is like, you believe in fairies, right? It's like, stop looking at me, Pete. I don't believe in fairies. And Tinkerbell has been bastardized and commercialized to a point where she probably wishes she had died so she can't see (laughs) what pop culture has made her out to be. (laughs) Rest in peace, Tink, you drug-producing dust pusher. (laughs) You know, I wish that the Disney Tinkerbell stuff would have Tinkerbell be more... Like the Tinkerbell in the book and the musical and the play. Just be this salty, like, snarky fairy that's wanting to kill every woman that looks at Peter Pan wrong. Yeah, Tinkerbell wants Peter. Yeah. She wants to be the only woman in Pete's life. Look at Hook. Yeah, well, she doesn't try to kill... No, but just the way that she is towards Hook. Like, that's... Or, not towards Hook, towards... Peter and Hook. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. When she, especially when, is too Especially much. when she uh, gets big and mm-hmm. then tries to make a move on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after Tink... Okay, so I might have glossed over this a bit when I was typing my notes. Tink didn't die, right? Correct. She's just sick and She was recovering. sick. She recovers after everyone okay. claps, allegedly. That's right. So Tink is fine. And then we cut to the pirates on the ship doing a big old celebration because they've captured a bunch of children that they're going to murder because... Pirates. Because pirates apparently murder children. Uh, and then, then somehow after murdering all the children, Wendy's going to want to be their mom. Because nothing makes a woman want to be your mother like murdering her brothers and <laughs> not, a bunch of children. Not just a woman, but it, like... At the most, she's 12. Yeah, a, a, a preteen, a little girl. Uh, but anyway, they do this whole big song and dance. Uh, Captain Hook is talking about who's the slimiest slime bag? Who's the crummiest crumb bag? Who's the... <laughs> crumb 
is who's from the, that. Who's the baggiest bag? Who's the <laughs> Who's the biggest piece of crap in the toilet? Captain Hook. And he's list basically who's listing all the reasons why he shouldn't be in charge, especially since pirates work for shares and this Yahoo is just kidnapping children. There's no plunder or gold or loot, so these pirates are all broke as hell. Mm. Why are they following him? I mm. Yeah. Exactly. Just another another plot hole in the Swiss cheese that is this musical. Yeah. Uh is that is this source material, I should say. And then uh, commence the battle royale on the Jolly Roger, complete with Indians, pirates, children, a boxing kangaroo. <laughs> I think if I was on Fairy Dust, this would make more sense. Because Hook, Hook hears the tick-tock of the clock and is immediately pissing himself with fear because the crocodiles come to get him. So he curls up in a little ball on the deck and then, lo and behold, it's Peter Pan mm-hmm. pulling one over on Captain Hook with a clock. And then he sneaks on board, places the clock right next to him. And Captain Hook is so high on fairy dust as well, he's unable to have any sense of spatial awareness and realizing that that noise is right next to him mm-hmm. and isn't getting any louder. And rather than moving away from the noise, he's just sitting there, huddled in a fetal position, waiting for death. <laughs> And Pete then proceeds to stash his his native allies and everybody in the 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 ship just so that they can ambush them in this weird, bizarre, very murderous scene. Very murderous. That's true. It is a very murderous scene because then Pete hides inside, and the pirates get up and start going in like one by one into the room and then Pete murders them. Yeah. And then he disguises himself as one of the pirates in a brief scene. It's just this whirlwind of nonsense while he's trolling the pirates before the aforementioned battle royale with a boxing kangaroo occurs. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, Hook Hook pulls another Looney Tunes moment where he pulls out a bomb and and he's like, I'm going to kill us all. He's like, two minutes until this bomb goes, a boom! Like, that wasn't two minutes. Yeah. Time means nothing in this place. Everything is a lie. <laughs> Physics don't matter. <laughs> Three little people in a costume is an animal. And <laughs> Peter Pan is a lump of delight. That particular line... <laughs> I thought was very interesting. After the battle with the pirates, they're doing their victory celebration, and Tiger Lily calls Peter Pan a lump of delight. Man, I wish a woman would call me a lump of delight. (laughs) Then I have it here in my note, looks at Kay. (laughs) This podcast is rated 14 and up. Not anymore. (laughs) Uh... And then after their victory celebration, everybody, all the kids leave high on fairy dust so that they can fly back home to London. And the ending of Peter Pan is very similar to 101 Dalmatians, I realized. The parents are like, we started with X many children and ended up with Y many children. As in, why are all these urchins in my house? And they're just like, 
what is seven or eight more children? We can adopt them all. I mean, it's obvious that they're rich, so mm-hmm. I'm sure that they can they can they can swing that financial burden. But uh, yeah, and then it cuts to I think about probably ten or so years later. Yeah. Uh, Wendy makes the comment, oh, Peter never came back. He never came back. And then this is what made me laugh is Peter Pan comes back. Wendy, grown up, is sitting in a chair. Like, I don't remember. She was doing something. Mm -hmm. And Peter walks freaking right up to her in her peripheral view. And she doesn't notice anything until he says something to her. Is he invisible because she's too old? Mm-hmm. What is the deal with that? You would think that she would see him. She's facing the goddamn window. How does she not see him land at the window and be like, oh, Peter, it's been so long. I have a joke, but it will make you angry because it will come back to the weird as hell origins of Peter Pan. <sighs> Lay it on me. Lay it's it on because me. because... Would you realize if a seven-day-old baby walked up next to you? <laughs> I'll tell in you your what. Periphery, if you were focusing on something else, I'll tell you what. If I was facing a goddamn window <laughs> and a flying infant came in, <laughs> I would notice the motion because I'd be like, "Oh, is that a bird? No, it's a flying baby." <laughs> Peter, <laughs> the only flying infant I know. You look good. Have you put on weight? Like, <laughs> still seven days old. Neat. <laughs> oh, and then Pete tries to be like, come with me, Wendy. And he's like, I can... He throws fairy dust on her. And she's like, oh, Pete, don't waste your fairy dust on me. I've got my 10-year chip from AA. My sponsor keeps me from having fun. <laughs> Wendy has kicked that monkey off her back. She's no longer partaking in the fairy dust. She's an adult now. She's got responsibilities. She can't party like she used to. Uh, (laughs) And then she basically tells him, oh, I have a daughter now, Jane. I'm all grown up. And Pete's just heartbroken. How could you grow up? I left you in this place where time exists. Mm -hmm. And you grew up as... All things do other than me. Except Lost Boys. And then they get banished. Well, I mean, the ones that came with her, I'm sure, grew up. Well, yeah, but, like, in in the source material, the Lost Boys grow up, like, while they're living there. But if they get too old, then Peter kicks him, in quotes, out. That's messed up. Probably kills him. Yeah. Or turns him into pirates. Or turns him into pirates. That is actually an interesting train of thought. But anyway, Wendy tells him about her daughter Jane. And her daughter Jane is sleeping in the bed, and then Pete throws a temper tantrum, and Wendy is like, here's my opportunity to be a responsible mother, and leaves the room with her daughter, (laughs) who then wakes up and repeats the cycle of seeing Pete crying on the floor like a little bitch. Boy, why are you crying? And Pete's gotta be like, I'm not crying, I'm a big tough man now. Uh, And... Wendy, of course, has told Jane all the stories about her adventures with Peter Pan, so Mm -hmm. she knows who Pete is. And she's like, oh, I know who you are. You're going to take me with you. Can you teach me to fly? And Pete is, like, super excited. He's like, sweet, another little girl that I can put into danger. (laughs) And make clean my house. make (laughs) clean my house. Good aspirations to have there, Jane. Uh, And my, of course... 
my only thought when this was going on was, what an irresponsible mother. I'm going to let my child be abducted by a reckless hooligan who will blow fairy dust in her face and whisk her away to Danger Island. Yeah. Good job, Wendy. Good job. And that was Peter Pan. Ah. Oh, <laughs> I think this might be our longest episode. Yeah. So, I apologize. Holy smokes. Yeah, this is our longest episode. I apologize if you really like Peter Pan and you're mad at me for my opinion on Peter Pan and you sat through this whole episode. (laughs) I want to thank you for sitting through this entire episode. And I also want to apologize for the emotions that you're currently feeling towards me. Uh, However, I do not apologize for my opinions because they are mine. (laughs) And I... I, I, I didn't really like this show. Yeah. So, so, okay. So, like I said before, the acting was good. The songs, music, like the actual mm-hmm. performance on part by the actors, stage direction, stuff, costumes overall, except for the Indian, for the Native Americans, I thought was, was good. Everything was pretty well done, especially mm-hmm. for, you know, when it was done in 1955. Uh, I just have an issue with the batshit crazy source material. Mm-hmm. That is where the key root of my issue lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's a weird show. It's a very weird show. And I, it's weird play, weird book, weird I, everything. I think this might be the weirdest show we've watched. I think the one about a half-bat, half-human hybrid living in West Virginia made more sense <laughs> than this show. Um, yeah. The disembodied dancing legs in Singing in the Rain <laughs> made more sense in the show because that was just one brief moment. So, yeah, really, if you think about it, we've seen some shows that have some Broadway acid trips. This entire show is a Broadway acid this trip. This is one continuous fairy dust, LSD-induced, bizarro experience. Yes. It is wall-to-wall, nonsensical, and just... Yeah. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. But, I mean, it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. It was definitely entertaining. I don't dislike Peter Pan. Of course, you know, I have my own biases, like I stated earlier. My preferred version of this story is the Robin Williams Hook one. I yeah. just think that there's more depth it's, to it's that. Better. It ex- it's better. It expands on it. Yeah. But, I mean, just from what you're saying about the core source material it's regarding this... Freaking insane. ...is insane. I don't know how any storyteller yeah. can say to themselves, the main character is a weak old baby who left because yeah. it heard its parents talking about what it was going to be when it grew up. Um, no. And I have the two books that if you want to read the insane backstory of Peter Pan, uh, the two books are The Little White Bird, which is sort of a collection of stories that all sort of cohese into a uh, single story. And Peter Pan is a couple of chapters of that story. And then Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens is the other one. Um, 
those are the insane, uh, like, there's no other word for it, because the, it doesn't, it's, it's just, what the heck? Um, and I, I forgot to mention, too, with, uh, Peter, so he was also based on, uh, Jamberry's, uh, older brother, David, who had died ice skating at 14. Oh, And so his mother always thought of him as a forever boy. So that's where that sort of came from. And then the weird, he was seven days old and left his crib and went into Kensington Gardens and had a friend that was a crow who was like, you're more human than bird now. And <laughs> More and bird fair, than human now, I mean? No, human than bird. And Peter got upset about that. And then the fairies took him in. Peter Pan. I need some fairy dust in order for that explanation to make sense to me. It's. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around this, and I had to do the research for this episode. Like this, this was the craziest one to have to go through because it's it's a rabbit hole. Because you're trying to go, okay, wait. So I need the context for this, and so I need to go back. Here. What the heck? I need the context for this now. What the no. That's why I've started drinking. <laughs> Bef- like, normally I don't have any glasses of wine or anything before we record, but I needed this. <laughs> I don't fault you at all in the slightest. Because it took me a minute for a lot of things with this show to go, I really read that. <laughs> You're, I really a, read that and had to put that into the script at the beginning. You had to do a double take. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, it is weird. Peter Pan is weird. And you know what? It's kind of decided for me what the next show is going to be. Because oh, yeah? we're going from one drug trip that wasn't intended to one that features a drug trip that's still not as friggin' weird as the one in this. Okay, I'm intrigued. We're going to see hair. Okay. Okay. I I get hair and hairspray mixed up. They are very different. <laughs> I know they are very different. Which one has John Travolta in drag? Hairspray. Okay. We're seeing hair. And hair is the one that has the song that I'm somewhat familiar with that goes, Give me some of that hair. Yes. Long, beautiful yes. hair. Yes. Okay. So, spoilers for the next episode. That's the extent of what I know about hair. That's okay. And I will I will address that again in the next episode. But, okay. Uh, I randomly had a new theory pop into my head regarding Peter Pan. Yes. Peter Pan steals little boys and takes them to Neverland where he siphons off their age to stay young forever. And the boys never grow up. They just eventually die oh. and he keeps his youthfulness and then he has to go back and get new little boys that is some once upon a time shit warren i think it's probably better than what they do in once upon a time hey, you're you're 100 right <laughs> <laughs> we don't like once upon a time uh, yeah <laughs> all right so uh. yeah next week we're going to do hair, and it won't be nearly as crazy and weird as this friggin' show. Yay! Thank you so much for listening. We truly hope you enjoyed this. 
Please follow us on Twitter at Tone Deaf Musical and like, share, and subscribe. If you loved it, tell your friends and spread the word. If you want to go above and beyond, please donate to our Patreon, which is also Tone Deaf Musical. That's it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Tone Deaf. Deaf.